Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, with our brother Lee uh, unwell today, uh, looks like you're stuck with me again. Uh, but do please keep him in your prayers, uh, as Glenn said. Uh, I thought today then, uh, with Lee away, uh, we might uh, read this psalm, uh, Psalm 16, a miktam of David, as it's called at the top. And we don't really know what a miktam is exactly, as, as Andrew just said. All we do know about miktams is this much. A miktam is a 3,000-year-old song. Uh, we don't know what the song sounded like because we don't have the music. Uh, all we have are the lyrics, and the lyrics don't rhyme as we understand rhyme today, so it's hard to know how we're supposed to voice the song, but perhaps that's beside the point. Uh, it's simply an ancient song that just nails something about life uh, in a way that most other things can't nail. Uh, it's a song that can lift us out of our daily grind and transform our thinking and renew our minds and, and just lift our whole being to a new level. Technically, I guess, we know this much about miktams as well. There are six miktams. There's this one and there's five others in Psalms 56 through 60. Uh, they were all written by King David. They seem to have a general pattern to them uh, uh, where David calls on God for help and then expresses his confidence in the God who he knows will help. And so they come, I guess, with a warning or a rebuke for those who haven't called on God and, and who, who were either trying to lead David, David astray or, or maybe flat out oppose David uh, and get in his way and undermine his faith. David responds in these miktams by declaring his allegiance to God and calling on God for help and praising God with his confidence fully in him. Uh, zooming back out a bit from those technical kind of details, we can be sure of this much too about miktams. A miktam does lift up the heart. It cleanses our mind and our thinking. It focuses us on God. It is instructive for our life, for our, our body, and, and pure medicine for our soul. Uh, does it sound good, uh, a miktam? Uh, hopefully so. So let's take a, take a look at this one together, Psalm 16, this miktam. A miktam of David, as it says. David doesn't tell us here in this one very much at all 
about what's going wrong. The pressure's against him. Uh, the biggest hint that we get that he's even under pressure in this miktam is, is in verse 1, where he appeals to God simply just to provide him refuge. Verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. There's some kind of pressure, uh, but unlike the other five where we get quite a deal of, of that part of it, we, we don't get much here at all other than just that flag there at the beginning that something's wrong. Uh, other miktams have more about the crisis. David here in Psalm 16 focuses more on his petition to God straight away after that verse. He, he requests God for help and then he declares his confidence and his praise in God for being the kind of God who most certainly will help him, whatever it is that's going on. What we discover in the first few verses then is how single-minded David is and how secure David is in his God. There is nothing else that he desires but to just be one of God's people. He just delights in that identity that he should be among God's people seems to be the theme here, verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. There's a contentment in these verses. David is content in his God. He needs nothing else. And he's not going to chase after the other gods that everyone around him is chasing after. And, and maybe that's the pressure that he's facing, verse 4, of the world around him. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. If he wasn't so single-mindedly devoted to the Lord, uh, then uh, the world would probably have had David chasing after no end of other gods and other things in his life, looking for contentment. But, but David knows there's no substance in anything else or anyone else or, or to be found anywhere else. No, David has found contentment in the Lord. Verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot, he says to God with all his desires focused upon the Lord and, and satisfied in the Lord, David's not going to fall into discontentment. Discontentment, uh, what all worldly things and all other things inevitably bring. And 3,000 years after David wrote this song, isn't, isn't our world still just like that? Discontent. So much pursuit of other things instead of just peace with God. The desires of our culture are driven by discontent. They manifest as, as FOMO and YOLO and me time and you deserve this and 99 things that you simply must do or read or have or, or whatever. It's discontent that drives all of this. The pressures of this cultural discontent around us are pushing in on us, brothers and sisters, from every direction, 24-7. But here's the cold reality. Whatever worldly things we're, we're being told to pursue are all just fleeting compared to this that David's on to, this peace with God. They can never feel the empty hole in our life in the way David is preaching to us here. 
about his God because the hole that we all need to fill in our lives is reserved for God and only God can fill that hole. David's onto it, verse 5, and we need to get onto that too. Because anything and, and everything else that will lure us and, and tease us and promise us and even please us so, so much, but it will all eventually fizzle and fade away. Sometimes it's, it's actually as soon as we manage to finally get our hands on it that it just kind of fizzles away. And yet that pursuit can slowly but surely start to overtake our whole life purely because it does not deliver contentment. What can start for us as a, as a healthy desire, really, to, to enjoy good things from God can very easily and very subtly start to take over our life. And we need to be very careful that we haven't started worshipping some false god in this pursuit, some false hope, verse 4. That would only multiply our sorrows, verse 4 says, rather than solve our discontent. But David gives it to us here. He is content. He is content in the Lord. He knows the eternal gift that he's been given by God and, and he's content in the meantime to simply just, just follow God and just tune his life into that promise. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, he says, verse 6. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. David is in tune with the Lord and the Lord's promises in his life. And so his miktam here directs us to that too because as he reaffirms his, his single-minded commitment to the Lord and, and sings of his contentment in the Lord, David's pointing us to do the same thing in our lives. And what good timing, perhaps, for us to hear this little miktam. The festive buzz of Christ Christmas is, is upon us, and it's, it's like dopamine for many of us right now, but soon enough, society is just going to be crashed back to the reality of discontentment, because that right now is a curse infecting this fallen world. Discontent. David's miktam comes like a warning that the Lord is where true satisfaction is to be found. So our thoughts and our lives should be on him. At this time of year we also transition uh, more consciously, I think, from, from things past to things ahead. We reflect at this time of year, don't we? More deliberately than we usually do. We dream, we plan, we think about how we would like things to be different in some way in, in the f future ahead of us. Uh, David's MGTAM could be pretty good timing for us on that score too, but by focusing our thoughts on, on this eternal reality that, that David's singing about, uh, and particularly as we break into the rest of this little song, verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. 
for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David sings here of eternity and he sings of eternal security in this song. His future, he knows, is certain and it is certainly bright. Obscured by all the commotion at this time of year that that, that discontentment pursuit kind of drives, there are plenty among us too who, who really just struggle at this time of year. They just struggle to, to engage with it at all. People who fall back into the shadows at Christmas because of darker and heavier things that are weighing on their heart and mind. Things like Dad's not doing well. You might not live to see Christmas at this rate. Things like I hate Christmas. I hate it. It's so painful. Stirring up memories of mum again. But she's gone. Or, or things like, I don't want to face another Christmas without my kids. There are hurts going on for people. Uh, ongoing hurts throughout the year, but they just don't hit quite so sharply in July as they do right now. Something about this time of year digs up a particular species of pain for, for some of us. Maybe about things that they've lost. Maybe about things that they fear losing. Maybe it's, it's various other things. Things that just hit and hurt at Christmas for Christians too. Because Christians aren't exempt from these pains. But as Christians, there is ultimately some kind of comfort at the bottom of the trench. Because do we not know about the sovereign God? Do we not know that he has ordained all the days of our lives, whether, whether they end in July or December or, or this year or, or next? Do we not know the God who is making all things new, who has promised eternal life in the name of our blessed Saviour, Jesus Christ? Do we not know the God who will return to us everything that's been stripped away from us because of our faith in him? Do we not know him who will one day come to judge everything in righteousness and in truth? We do. And that gives some kind of comfort at the bottom of the trench. David's Mictam here in Psalm 16 speaks into our fear and grief and pain by, by pointing us to the truth about the eternal things that God has promised to all who trust in him. Our, our delight in the Lord is not for this mortal life only, but for the eternity to come. But how easily our focus sinks again and gets trapped back in this earthly life. Uh, as if this is the end or be all of our existence and meaning. No, but our soul will live on, just like David's verse 10. There will be fullness of joy, verse 11, in the presence of God. What we've, what we've received just this little taste of now, 
it's not going to be taken away from us. It, it will only come in more glory in the end. Despite his inevitable death, uh, David knows that he has found the path to life, verse 11. Uh, he will dwell forever in the presence of the Lord and, and he will always be filled with joy over that. And, and even now, verse 9, when things probably aren't going so well for him, which would be the purpose of this psalm, he, his whole being somehow rejoices in the knowledge of that true reality, the, the eternal life that God has promised to all who believe. Recalibrate us, O Lord, and, and refocus our tired eyes. There is no such hope at the bottom of the trench for those who don't have the promises of God. There's just nothing. If only all people might drop the other things that they're so blindly chasing and, and lock onto this eternal promise of God in Jesus Christ for, for all who would simply repent of their foolishness and, and just believe and belong to God. And, and may God keep those of us who have received these promises more clearly focused on it through this earthly life with all of its trials and joys that come for us. Focus correctly like David is here in this miktam. Although, it may well be a miktam of David, but perhaps we might read it again in a second way because you may have started to realise by, say, verse 10, that it's also a miktam about Jesus. As is often the case, what the psalmist is rejoicing about in this song is serving another purpose of prophecy, prophecy about Jesus. And we can be quite sure of that here in Psalm 16 because the New Testament confirms it for us. In Acts chapter 2, for example, the Apostle Peter interpreted this psalm for us. He said, For David says concerning Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. That is our Psalm 16 right there in Acts chapter 2 in the mouth of Peter as he preaches to the crowds. He goes on, Brothers and sisters, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet... And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. David did die, Peter explains. His body did go into the belly of the earth, Sheol or Hades in the Greek, and it, and it did see corruption in that it decomposed and decayed just like everyone else who has gone that way. David's tomb is over there, by the way, Peter says. We could do the tourist thing and go and visit it, he's explaining, if we wanted to. So, so, so David, therefore, wasn't speaking of himself here in Psalm 16. Peter is telling the crowds. He's speaking of Jesus because it was Jesus who died but didn't go through decay. 
His body was raised up. We saw him in the flesh and blood, Peter says, three days after he died. And for a whole month, people saw Jesus too, risen from the dead. Even over 500 people at one time, the scriptures teach us. The Apostle Paul also interprets this miktam to be prophetically pointing to Jesus. In Acts chapter 13, when he speaks, he says pretty much the same thing as Peter said in Acts chapter 2. In Acts 13, Paul says, Therefore he says also in another psalm, You will not let your Holy One see corruption. That's Psalm 16 again. Paul goes on, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Peter and Paul are explaining to us in Acts, David is singing here about Jesus in Psalm 16. The thing is, Jesus couldn't have gone through death unless he took on our human form in his incarnation. That, that little baby that we celebrate at Christmas in a couple of weeks' time wasn't, wasn't the beginning for Jesus. Jesus is the eternal Son of God, always was, always will be. The baby thing, the baby thing was where that eternal God who always was and always will be chose to become incarnate, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could redeem those born of women, born under the law, by laying down his, his incarnate life as an atonement for our sin. Jesus needed to take on our flesh and blood to have it broken, to have it poured out for our sin. But in doing that, in dying that death for us and then not seeing corruption and decay, but being raised from dead in glory, Jesus revealed to us the glory that's now in store for us if we have repented and put our trust in him. So at a third level, we might read through this miktam again and come full circle on all of this. It is about David. It is about David who knew the promise of all of this because the promise is now fulfilled in Jesus. David will be raised in glory too, just like Jesus. That is the promise of God. So David was right to sing not just prophetically about Jesus, as he most certainly was, but, but personally too, of his own uh, joy and security in the Lord in the middle of all of his troubles. It's like he was doubly prophetic, if you think about it. David would die, but Jesus would live. And so David, therefore, would live as well, after all. But more than that, of course... It's not just a miktam of David and a miktam about Jesus. It's a miktam for us, isn't it? It's a miktam about us because that promise of God is for all who believe. And having believed in Jesus, we may sing what David sang here as our song. We are the saints in the land now. We are the ones who have become the holy ones of God who will not see corruption, even though our bodies will pass away and decay, to be sure. Unless Jesus comes first, that's guaranteed. But we will be raised in glory. 
when he comes, imperishable as the scriptures declare on the promise of Jesus Christ who is making all things new. The earthly will pass away, but the imperishable, the eternal, has been granted to us. It is life forevermore. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? If you have repented of your sin and come to faith in Christ, then Jesus has swallowed up the very thing that is lurking behind all of our fear and grief and our discontentment too. He has swallowed it up in his victory because he is risen and so too will you be. God has made known to us now the path of life, verse 11, as David sings. And in his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus opened up to us this eternal life that David is singing about here. And we will find ourselves in the presence of God, experiencing the joys foretold here in this song, forevermore. This miktam takes us then from, from contemplating God with us in the manger to anticipating and anticipating with joy the promise of us with God. So this little miktam David wrote and that Jesus fulfilled is now given to you and I. It's a miktam for all of Jesus' people. We are bound to Christ and we are bound to Christ forever, come what may. So whatever your next few days or, or weeks or, or, or years look like otherwise, follow David's song. Set the Lord before you always, front and square, and do not waver. And rejoice in your whole being over this sure promise of God. For he will not abandon us to Sheol. He will bring us into everything that he has promised us in Jesus Christ. And so all God's people praised him and sang in their hearts with joy. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your scriptures and, and for the opportunity to look at this little psalm today in Psalm 16. We hear what David's singing and we know these things to be true, Father. We just pray that you'd uh, bring it to bear on our hearts even more and even more and even more. And particularly with the distractions coming up in the next few weeks, and particularly with the stresses and the griefs and the worries that it can sometimes trigger, 
We pray, Father, that you'd help us uh, be centred and resolute in who we are in you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've promised for us. Thank you for all that you've done for us to bring us into those promises. We pray that this uh, next few weeks we would glorify you in our unwavering faith in you and your good word to us. In Jesus' name, amen.